0: Good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater Vestal. My name is Brett. I'm one of the pastors at Bridgewater, and it's great to have you here today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We're in a series called Can't Believe, and we're looking in the book of John at a, a number of different times when people, groups of people, tried to believe in Jesus but just couldn't get there for for, um, several reasons, and we've been looking specifically at the reasons why they have trouble believing. Today, we're going to look at the disappointed. The disappointed. This would be a group of people who feel like when something happened in their life, God should have done something, but he didn't. He either should have showed up, with a miracle or he should have kept something away or he should have protected or he should have done something other than what he did which appears to be nothing and so then you get a group of people who are disappointed because God didn't do what he was supposed to do and in my head I had this all worked out that God this happens and God shows up and do 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 saves the day and everything's fine and but he didn't so now I'm disappointed and you want me to believe, but I'm kind of struggling to believe because God disappointed me. He didn't come through. I have people disappoint me all the time, but this was God. He's not supposed to disappoint there's a There's a, a multi-billionaire named Ted Turner. He uh, came up with the Turner Broadcasting System, TBS, and, and other channels, cable channels. Anyway, he, he was, a, in high school and college, a very enthusiastic follower of Jesus. Like, he just wanted to know more about Jesus. In fact, he wanted to be a missionary. And I read an article about Ted Turner recently, and here's, here's what it said. When, when he was 15, his younger sister, Mary Jane, who was 12, got sick with lupus, a degenerative tissue disease. She was racked with pain, and Ted regularly came home and held her hand. Trying to comfort her, he prayed for her recovery, and she prayed to die. After years of misery and struggle, she died. Ted Turner's dad, Ed Turner, said at the time, if, if that is the kind of God he is, then I want nothing to do with him. That had a powerful impact on Ted, and Ted lost his faith. And this is what Ted Turner, who is an outspoken atheist, said. I was taught that God was love and that God was powerful. And I could not understand how someone so innocent and so precious as my sister should be made or allowed to suffer so. On March 5th, 1963, Ted's dad, Ed, had breakfast with his wife and went upstairs and killed himself. Leading Ted Turner to say this, if that's the type of God He is, then I want nothing to do with that kind of God. And like I said, Ted is a uh, an outspoken, married Jane Fonda, an outspoken atheist. <clears throat> um, there's another man who struggled with this, and I think I think if we were honest, all of us would say we, we've we've had moments like that. Where we're like, this is not. God, this isn't doesn't seem like you. This, where are you? Um, This guy's name is C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, he's a hero of the faith. He's written many books, including *Mere Christianity*, which is a bestseller. In 1961, C.S. Lewis's wife died after a painful bout of bone cancer. Right after her death, this is what he wrote. I can't understand why God always seems to be there for me when things are going well, telling me what he expects of me. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. You, you may as well... Turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There is no light in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seems so once. Why is God so present a commander in our times of prosperity and so very absent in our absent a help in time of trouble? And that was C.S. Lewis. Now, C.S. Lewis was feeling raw, wrote that. Obviously, his faith grew through a process of time, and he, he did not. We really don't read that very often when you read you know, top C.S. Lewis quotes on the Facebook page. He's known for much more than that. But if we were honest, wouldn't we all say that we've felt that? King David felt that God where are you where did you go you disappointed me there's a question that we want to answer today what do you do when God disappoints you what do we do when God disappoints you now there are three options really one is that you can lose your faith okay you can lose your faith Ted Turner It's an example of that. You can just turn tail and run. Say, you know what? It was all a crock. I'm out of here. Second option would be you could isolate that question from your faith. And you could say, you know, I really wrestled with this, but I'm just going to set it aside and just ignore it. And everything else is fine, but I'm going to just ignore that. The problem with that is I, I don't think we can wholeheartedly give our lives to a God that we hold back apart from because we don't trust him in this area. But that is what some people do. The third option would be that we press deeper into our faith. We let the questions drive us deeper in our relationship with God. Which takes us to John chapter 11. So in John 11, we've got two people who were really, really disappointed. Jesus, Jesus disappointed them. And they verbalized that to Jesus. And we're gonna look at his responses because I think we can learn something about, about our God through the response that that he has with with these two people. Now you may be sitting there saying, you know what, okay, I'm not disappointed with God. I'm not looking to cut off my faith. I, I'm not there. Okay, but maybe, maybe God has disappointed you in smaller ways. You know, maybe, maybe all of your friends have, have gotten married and, and you haven't, and it's just not fair. Maybe, maybe they've all gotten promotions. Maybe they've found careers. Maybe at age 40, your spouse has walked out on you, and you say, where, where is my God? Maybe your children just haven't, turned out the way you think they should, and you say, God, where were you? Like, wh- wh- what happened? What's the deal? Maybe it's time to retire, and you're not really able to retire. You say, it's not fair. God, where were you? Maybe, maybe you've battled a disease or a sickness for way too long, and you're just disappointed at God. I think on some level, like I said before, we've all felt that. So let's look at at John 11. When we don't understand, here's here's a couple examples of that. So John 11, verse 1. Now now a man named Lazarus was sick. He He was from Bethany, the village that Mary and her sister Martha, this is Mary whose brother... Lazarus, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Okay, so, so here's the, we set up the story, Here, here's the deal. Mary and Martha, okay, two sisters have a brother, Lazarus. Lazarus is sick. They send a messenger to Jesus. Why? Because they're friends with Jesus. Why else? They've seen Jesus heal people. So they know he's a healer. So what will he do? He'll come heal our brother. Why not? He heals complete strangers. Why not heal someone that you love? Verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said... This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Okay, that word so right there. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, remember, he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That, shouldn't that word so be a but? I love Nicole, but I forgot her birthday. Right, right. It should be a, a button in there, shouldn't it? Not a so. It's not I love Nicole so I forgot our anniversary. No. It's not... Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, so he intentionally stayed away for two more days. Just seems weird, doesn't it? It's one of those things that in my Bible, I oftentimes will circle something and put a question mark in the margin. It's one of those things I just don't get it. Huh. Not the way I would have done it. But (laughs) thankfully, I'm not God. Okay. Verse, verse 11, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. This would be another example of Jesus rolling his eyes, at his disciples saying, really guys? Like really? So, So you think that I was saying Lazarus is taking a nap and I want us to walk two days journey so that we can nudge him and say, hey buddy, wake up, your nap's over. No, he's dead. We're going to wake him up. Verse 14. So then he told them plainly Lazarus is dead and for your sake I am glad I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him. Verse 17 On his arrival Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Okay. We've set up the disappointment. Two sisters Mary and Martha. Jesus deals with them very differently and we're going to We're going to pull out two action steps from how Jesus dealt with these these sisters. And we'll try to answer this question, what do we do when God disappoints us? So verse 21, Martha addresses Jesus first. In verse 21, she says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So, here's... Here's, here's the, what happened. Martha runs to Jesus and she says, You disappointed me. We sent word that Lazarus was sick. You got the message. <laughs> Why didn't you show up? What was more important? What? What was more important than, than this? I, I'm extremely disappointed. And then she goes into a theological discussion about resurrection on the last day. And Jesus answers her question theologically with resurrection talk. But Martha's disappointed with Jesus. You, you did me wrong. <clears throat> Verse 27. After after he says, do you believe, verse 27, yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. This is what I think Martha did. I think Martha, Martha allowed her experience of disappointment from Jesus to cloud what she thought she knew about Jesus instead of allowing what she knew about Jesus to interpret her experience. And we do this. We allow, I allow my experience to drive what I think I know about God instead of allowing what I know about God to interpret my experience. So if Martha had said, okay, I know, Jesus, that you are who you say you are, I believe that wholeheartedly, and because of that, I'm going to interpret this disappointment differently. What's your angle here? What, what is your angle, Jesus? What are you going to try to accomplish here? Because I'm sure that it's not what I think it is. Okay, that would have been... I understand who God is and what he's done, and so I'm going to interpret this disappointment differently. Instead, she says, where were you? <laughs> where were you? <laughs> Gave you 48 hours. You could have just right on there, and you're Jesus. You could have just teleported. Where You didn't show up. Now my brother's dead. He's been in the tomb four days. He probably stinks. And here you come with your 12 men following you. I'm really disgusted you'd only been here and we do that same thing where were you jesus where were you i prayed and prayed where were you i've been battling this for for years and years this kid you gave me if you if only i where were you and that that's our first point jesus lesson to martha was that she needed a truth that cannot be shaken A truth that cannot be shaken. And you and I need a truth that cannot be shaken. We need a foundation of truth in our lives. God's word is truth. This is truth right here. There are not other books that are like the Bible. The Bible is God's word. It is truth. I know what I know about God from the Bible, and I interpret life experience. I should interpret life experience, all of my life experience, through the lens of what I know about God. I know God is good, I know God is faithful, I know God is the great physician. I know God is love. So when my son is born way premature and I'm sitting in the neonatal, how do I interpret that experience based on what I know about God? Or do I allow that experience to change what I thought I knew about God? See, we need to have a truth in our lives that can't be shaken. <clears throat> I, I wrote this down. What what we believe to be true about the character of God will determine what we believe God to be doing in tragedy. <clears throat> What I believe to be true about the character of God will determine what I believe that God is doing in tragedy. So if I am convinced of God's goodness and God's faithfulness and God's never-ending love and God's control in every situation, my response to God in difficulty will probably be a response of, okay, I don't know, but of confidence and hope. I brought up King David before. King David was told at a a young age that he was going to be king, king of Israel. It's awkward because he was told that when somebody else was already king, so I could see that would be a little weird. Well, David's life did not go as you would think, probably didn't go as David would think. In fact, for four years, David was chased around by the current king of Israel as King Saul tried to kill David. Four years being chased around. As he slept in those caves, as he ran, as he hid in cisterns and wells, as he made deals, as he acted insane and drooled on himself in in an attempt to get away from King Saul, there had to be moments when King David said, I am really disappointed in you, God. Where are you? And he probably wrestled with these very things. Here's what I know to be true about God, or here's what I thought was true about God, but here's my current experience, and it just doesn't jive. What's great is David wrote a bunch of psalms for us to read about those very moments. And one that's very, very familiar, Psalm 23. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I don't need a want. Makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside the still waters, restores my soul. Okay, but it's not, it's not Pollyanna. He, he goes on to say, oh, <laughs> believe me, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, there are certainly seasons of my life that have been shadows of death, David says. But he says, I'm not going to interpret those experiences in a vacuum. I'm going to interpret those experiences based on who I know you to be. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? I will fear no evil because I have a truth that is unshaken. And I know that you're with me and you rod and your staff, they comfort me. We need, it. we need that. We need that truth. This is that truth. Right here. And I don't think anybody can study this enough. I don't think you can read it enough. I don't think you can memorize it enough. I don't think you can do more than enough. I think there is always more in God's Word that we can learn. And we need our lives built right on this, right on this book, right here, on the truths about God, a truth that's unshakable. David does a great job of both remembering God's Word and and also reflecting on what, what God did. See, I can... I know the truths of God's word, but I've got a bunch of experiences also that back up what God's word says in my life. His faithfulness over and over and over and over and over again that I've kept track of and I remember it. And David did too. Actually, 2 Samuel 22, if you want to read a great chapter in the Bible this afternoon, 2 Samuel 22, listen to it on your phone. It's phenomenal. It's It's a song David wrote, and he reflects in... 2 Samuel 22, all 51 verses on how amazing God has been in his life. And he just reflects back. I've got a truth that's unshakable. How come? Well, because I've got God's word and I know what it says about God. But I've also got a, a wealth of experiences that back up God's faithfulness. Oh, were there some times in there that are crazy? Yeah. Were there some times in there I was disappointed? You bet. But ultimately, my faith, my trust is unshaken. 2 Samuel 22. All right, there's, there's a second piece of this. Not only do we need a truth that's unshaken, but, but when we face disappointment, we really need to experience and know a love that is felt. And this is what separates God from an impersonal, unfeeling force. And we see this one when Jesus talks to the other sister, Mary. So let's pick it up in verse, verse 32. Um, so I'll back up. So Martha, Jesus talks with Martha, and Martha goes back to the house and says, Hey, uh, Jesus is here. He wants to talk to you. So Mary then comes out, and that's where we pick up in verse 32. Verse 32, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, now get this, she says exactly the same thing as her sister says, word for word. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Almost like they were talking about it before he got there. You realize if Jesus had been here, he wouldn't have had to bury Lazarus. Where is Jesus? I wish you, if Jesus had been here, everything would have been fine. Equal in disappointment. Okay, verse verse 33 when jesus saw her weeping and the jews who had come along with her were also weeping he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled where have you laid him he asked come and see lord they replied <clears throat> and jesus wept the greek word there really literally is he burst into tears jesus burst into tears I have read this this passage, this story, many, 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 many times over my life. And I always get stumped right here because I think, why didn't Jesus just give an example, give an explanation right here? Hey, whoa, 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 no, don't cry, don't cry. I'm going to fix it. In in like 10 minutes, all right, in in like 10 minutes, I'm going to raise your brother from the dead. Like, don't, don't waste any tears. I got this. That's all he would have had to say. Right? Oh, no, 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 no. I got it. No, oh, no just tell him to be quiet. No, it's all right. And he didn't. Why not? They're really sad. I wrote this down. Jesus could have given an explanation, but instead he chooses to give us a picture of how he goes through suffering with us. Jesus chose to give us a snapshot of a picture of how he goes through suffering with us, with the people he loves. And that is probably more valuable than an explanation Jesus wept Jesus cried with Mary He loved Mary He cried So they could feel his love very very valuable much more valuable than a flippant explanation You know will meet me over there I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen, but it's going to be great. Right over there, 10 minutes, all right, don't cry. No, no, we got a show for you. Or Jesus showed sympathy and empathy and love, and he wept. We don't serve an unfeeling force of nature. We have a relationship with the creator of the world who loves us. And who walked on earth for thirty-three years and wept, cried. He was moved, and he burst into tears. <clears throat> so, so what? So, what do we do with this? I think I think there's two things, two action steps. Um, first of all, I would say I. I think all of us could, could use some work on, the, on our foundations, theologically. On, on the, is, is our truth unshakable? And what I mean by that is how are you doing in your Bible memory? David says in, in Psalm 119, um, your word I've hid in my heart. In other words, I've memorized your word, he says to God, so that I won't sin against you. So how are you doing in your memorization? Did you ever think about memorizing verses? There there are some incredible verses in the Bible that if you put them in your mind and work on memorizing them, you will be able to pull them out. Like we used to have these things called Rolodex things, and, and you could pull an address out. Well, you know what? If you put verses in your head, and you work on them, and you work on them, and you work on them, and the older you get, you work on them more. But you'll have those verses to pull out of your head so that when you go through a time of fear, you can say, no, Isaiah says something about that. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a good verse to have. Oh, you're struggling with anxiety? Well, the Bible says, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but, but pray about everything. And a peace that we don't even understand will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Just a verse. Psalm 23. It's a great place to start. I got a silver dollar for memorizing Psalm 23 when I was in first grade from some guy, Donnie Belcher, in Wallingford, Vermont. And he gave me a silver dollar Actually I went to Vermont at Christmas and in the summer for vacation and with my family and on our Christmas trip he said memorize psalm 23 and I'll give you a silver dollar and I said I'm not going to be here till summer he said tell me then so in the summer I came and told him and he gave me a silver dollar I I still have psalm 23 in my head <clears throat> what a great blessing If you want truth unshakable, hide God's word in your heart. What about a Bible reading plan in the You version so that every morning or every night or sometime through the day you're reading God's word, building a foundation? What about accountability? People holding you accountable. What about a small group? What an opportunity to be with other people who, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that not all of us have disappointment at the same time in the body of Christ. We go up and down so that those of us that are up on top can say, don't worry, it's all right. I will encourage you. But then when we're down, there's others who are not down who can say, don't worry, I can encourage you. And I find that in a, in our, in a small group. Now, m- maybe that's... <clears throat> That's just one part of the application, building a foundation of truth that's unshakable. The second one is a felt love. And I think as the body of Christ, we need to show God's love to each other. So the question here is, are there people that God has put around us that we need to love and support and show the love that Jesus showed when somebody was hurting? Some of you may have... Never thought about this, but you know, who, who do I need to write an encouragement note to? We just we just had a family that lost a sister, a wife, a daughter-in-law. Uh, I mean, we 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 have that. This last Wednesday was it Wednesday? There was a service here. It was Monday um, for Melody. And you might say, well, I don't know that family. I don't know Calvin. You know what? You just write an encouragement out that says, I don't know you, but I'm your brother or sister in Christ, and we go to the same church, and I'm praying for you. How do we do at showing that love? Because we're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus. As the body of Christ. You know when you hit your thumb with a hammer and it hurts really bad? The rest of your body takes care of that thumb. I'm not going to use the thumb. You know when your pinky toe, you're walking to the bathroom late at night and you hit that door casing and your pinky toe goes one direction and all the other toes take the other way? And you say, and you just picture that little toe bent way over and, and you know it fell off, but it really didn't. And it feels like this big. We take care of that toe. We take care of that foot. We might even pick our toes up and walk because oh, that baby toe. Ooh. And when you get back in bed, you don't even want the blankets to touch the baby toe because it hurts so bad. So your big toe just sticks up to hold to protect the little baby toe. You know, you think about what we do with our feet when we hurt our baby toe. Well, what about in the body of Christ? When somebody is hurting, how do we do showing love to them? That's an application. That's something we can tangibly do. So this week, this week, we need to all be working on our truth that is unshakable. Our theology of God, who he is, what he's done, who he is in our lives. Secondly, we need to show love to our body. And, and you may know somebody at work that's hurting that you can reach out to and maybe you have a neighbor that you need to invite over. Maybe you need to take cookies. Um, maybe it's somebody here that you can show God's love to. But sometimes the theological answer is great and truth is great, but sometimes love is what people need. This next Sunday, we have a chance, all of us do, to show God's love to a whole community. And so, next Sunday, we're not even going to do church like this. We're going to all come, we're going to grab a donut, and we're going to go out into our neighborhood, and we're going we're to show God's love to our community. We're gonna have dumpsters out here and we're gonna fill the dumpsters with all of our neighbor's garbage. (laughs) Woohoo! Actually, I told my son this on the way here. He's 11, and he said, Whoa, a dumpster dive. Sweet. Can we go through it once everybody's done? I'm like, He takes after his mother. But that's what we're gonna have, and it's gonna be wonderful. We get a chance to show Jesus love to a community of people. And we're going to unload their trailers, we're going to throw them in the dumpster, we're going to have donuts out there, and we're going to say, thanks for bringing us your garbage. We love Jesus, he loves you. Have a good day. We're going to be the church. Live out some of this truth. And then we're going to eat after that. So I'm excited about that. I told Renee to get Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's kind of a secret, but... I don't get Kentucky Fried Chicken very much. And I really like it. Sorry. That's vain. But I do. So then we'll, we'll eat and then go home. But um, we have a chance to show God's love. So let's do that well. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, uh, for your word. Thank you for John chapter 11 and for the story of Mary and Martha. Um, Father, I pray that you'd help us help us to... Uh, your hands and feet to do a good job of that and I pray that we would never get tired of, of learning about you God I, I know that it's easy for me to, to feel disappointed in you when you don't do what I want you to do but I pray that, that I, I ask that you help me remember that you're a great God and even in disappointment you're still a, a great God I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.